Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Marissa Charles and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Marissa Charles. Well, thank you so much for joining us on WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles. Dr. Charles is a graduate of the University of North Texas Health Science Center at Fort Worth, Texas College of Osteopathic Medicine, did a residency at the Corpus Christi Family Medicine Residency Program in Corpus Christi, and she's been with WellMed at the Ingram location as a PCP going way back to 2015, and we're delighted to have her with us today as co-host. And Dr. Charles, a, a really complex topic we're taking up today that we don't talk enough about testicular cancer. Well, absolutely. Apparently it is um, testicular cancer awareness month. And so I think it's a great time for us to take up this topic so that we can spread awareness and make sure that men who are at risk um, are aware that they could be at risk and that they're doing all they can to um, identify and um, prevent. And we have an expert joining us. He's been on before on WellMed Radio talking about kidney stones and frequent urination. Dr. Parth Shah is a urologist at the USMD Fort Worth Clear Fork Clinic in Fort Worth, Texas, USMD Arlington Cancer Center and Urology Clinic in Arlington, Texas. Earned his medical degree at the University of Texas Medical School at Houston. Dr. Shah completed his urology residency at the University of Michigan Health System in Ann Arbor, He's an associate medical director at USMD Urology and assistant professor for the TCU School of Medicine, and he's board certified by the American College of Urology. And pardon me for pausing when I said the University of Michigan, uh, as an Ohio State University fan, it's really difficult for me to say that. Wherever you go, go blue. Ooh, I don't believe you said that. Go Bucks, <laughs> And that's enough of the rivalry because uh, both sure. schools have wonderful medical schools associated with them. And uh, we can leave it at that. So Dr. Shah, I know we've talked about this before, uh, but for those who may not remember or, or haven't heard you on WellMed Radio, what led you into urology as a specialty? Well, thanks again for having me on again. And we'll see how long or how often I get invited back after that uh, interjection uh, for the University of Michigan. But <laughs> that's besides the point. So to answer your question, I got into urology because I could counsel many different types of patients, not just at one select subset. And I also like the aspect of kind of the technology that we use in the field to kind of advance the care we deliver to our patient. You know, more and more, everything's being pushed to more of a minimally invasive technique. And urologists have always been at the forefront of that and will continue to do so. So those two things kind of led me uh, to my path, my calling, if you will. And that's where I find myself today. And for those who are curious, what are the areas uh, that that urology deals with? What are the uh, issues that you touch on? Yeah, so we handle everything that uh, touches your urinary or genital system. So kidneys, kidney tube called the ureter, bladder, prostates, um, you know, urinary control, sexual function uh, in both men and women. So we, we kind of run the gamut on those diseases that touch those uh, organs. And that can be things from kidney stones like you alluded to, you know, incontinence or loss of bladder control to even more you know, complicated diseases like cancers. And the topic of discussion today, testicular cancer 
cancer, uh, you know, being one of them. So, you know, as a urologist, I get to handle both the benign or non-cancerous diseases, as well as the very serious cancer ailments. And that's the other part what, uh, that drew me to the field. And when you mentioned testicular cancer, uh, how widespread is it? So it's actually not a very common cancer if you look at everybody, uh, you know, from a big perspective. So every year, about 10,000 men get diagnosed with testicular cancer. But the caveat here is that the men that get diagnosed are men in the prime of their lives. And the most common population that gets this type of cancer is between the ages of 20 to about 40. Oh, really? And so in that age group, um, you know, testicular cancer is the most common solid uh, organ malignancy. So even though it's pretty rare globally, uh, looking at this, you know, young, healthy population of men that probably don't want to see a doctor, it is the most common type of cancer. And how do you know you have it? So the simplest way uh, to pick up testicular cancer is by doing an examination. And whether that means going and seeing your clinician um, and having an annual physical like we all should be doing, because again, prevention is the key uh, to all medical ailments, or doing kind of a monthly testicular exam. So a lump on the testicle is really the, uh, the diagnosing principle when it comes to testicular cancer in most cases. And do you recommend self-exam? And we'll talk about that in a moment. But for those who may have just joined us, I want you to know you're listening to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Maurice Charles. And we're talking uh, uh, from Fort Worth, Texas, Dr. Parth Shah. He's with USMD, a urologist. And we're talking in uh, honor of Testicular Cancer Awareness Month about testicular cancer. Uh, is self-exam uh, a way to uh, be sure that you're okay? Yeah, so I think self-examination is key to kind of picking up early detection of these testicular tumors. And more importantly, kind of destigmatizing the idea of self-examination and, and kind of making it more of a routine part of your kind of checkup as, a, as an individual, I think is key as well. So it's free. Anybody can do it. You can do it in the shower and it's cost effective, hence. And ultimately, it gives you the empowerment of understanding your anatomy. And so if you notice there's a difference over time, then you can pick these up um, more quickly and bring it up to the attention of your healthcare provider. So yeah, I think routine self-examination, you know, every month, every couple of months is key. And it, it doesn't have to be a drawn out activity, just a, a quick check after a shower, during the shower can do the trick to help you understand your anatomy a little bit better. And what are you looking for? I guess you'd need a baseline to know what a, a normal uh, uh, testicle feels like versus one that may have a lump. Exactly. So part of uh, you know my mission when I see patients is to kind of empower them by understanding their anatomy. Uh, the urologic anatomy sometimes is a little bit of mystic uh, to most folks. And like I said, sometimes taboo for topics of routine dinner conversations. So that's my idea is to help patients understand what is normal, what is not normal. So normally the testicle is supposed to be a very smooth organ, egg-shaped. Uh, we all kind of assume that based on our previous kind of interactions through popular media, et cetera, um, or through your health class growing up. And there's structures on the backside of the testicle called the epididymis, which helps with kind of sperm maturation. But essentially on the top of the testicle, you should not feel any other lumps, bumps, nodules. So it should be a nice smooth surface. And that's really the, the biggest tip is if on the sides and front, you notice that the surface level of the testicle isn't smooth, then that needs to be evaluated further. How hard do you have to squeeze uh, to be able to detect that? 
you don't have to squeeze at all. Just mostly, again, stabilizing the testicle between your thumb, and, sorry, your index and your middle finger and using the thumb to really kind of spread uh, over the surface of the skin. Um, doing it gently is key. Uh, you're really just trying to assess if it all feels smooth or if there is a nodule. You're really not trying to cause yourself discomfort and you honestly don't really need to push that hard. It's mostly a sweeping motion with light pressure. And Dr. Dr. Charles, do, do yeah, you deal we, with this with your patients? I definitely deal with it some, but again, since it's not a very common cancer, um, I've only had a few patients in my practice that have actually had that. I'm sure Dr. Shaw has had many, many more. I was going to ask Dr. Shaw, when you're doing this exam, would you expect the nodules to be tender or painful? Not necessarily. In, in some patients, again, pain is such a complex phenomenon, but most of the time it's sort of a painless lump uh, that patients investigate and they, they pick up. Or other times um, the patients are having a discomfort in the scrotum and the groin for other reasons. And the nodule or the tumor is actually picked up incidentally on an ultrasound that we would do to make sure there's not an inflammatory change or an infection going on within the, the scrotum or the testicle. So I would say most likely no, but having some sort of groin pain does lead to increased detection because we're looking at the testicle much more uh, in focus, if that makes sense. That's interesting. They're, other than doing uh, self-exam or, or periodic doctor's exam, uh, there's really no indication that you've got a problem. Right. So that's where, again, increasing awareness is key. And, and like it was mentioned, it's not a very common ailment, not a very common cancer. So sometimes it is, and a lot of folks don't have an awareness of that. So uh, again, doing the self-exam in the shower, um, it's a quick, painless uh, activity, and it can really be the only way to detect testicular cancer uh, at its early stages. And because most of us live in a world of denial, if you come across a bump, you may say to yourself, well, let's see what happens here. How soon should you call uh, your PCP or your urologist when you think you have a problem? Yeah, I think, you know, when you notice there's a lump or a bump there, you definitely should call as soon as possible. And the idea being that we want to get to the understanding of what is this lump? Is it something dangerous or cancerous like we're talking about today? Or is it something that we don't have to worry about? And so uh, essentially we can get to the diagnosis fairly quickly and not only kind of address the concern uh, for cancer, but God forbid, if it is cancer, we can certainly, uh, you know, expedite the treatment of the disease. And do you do a biopsy to determine what's there? Well, the standard of care currently is based on the exam and what the, you know, the, uh, the tumor looks like on ultrasound. We would really be talking about removing uh, the tumor before doing biopsies because there's such an increased risk of spreading the cancer through doing biopsies. So we don't oh, routinely do that. How fast growing are these tumors? Because we know, and again, I'm at risk of practicing medicine, not only without a license, without any real knowledge. Well, we know that there are some, for example, prostate cancers that are very slow growing. What about testicular cancers? Yeah, testicular cancer tends to be one of those things we want to move very swiftly. So, you know, you notice a lump or a bump, uh, you probably should be seeing it within the next uh, few weeks, uh, if not sooner. Um, so again, uh, compared to prostate cancer, which is very slow growing, uh, this 
type of testicular cancer or testicular cancer in general needs to be something that we investigate with much more rapidly. So although it can take a few months uh, to spread, we definitely don't want to delay the diagnosis. And like you mentioned, a lot of men in that age group, the 20 to 40 year old guys have much better things to do than go see a doctor or a urologist. So really kind of impressing upon them, you know, the follow-up, and the potential, you know, a time away from work, life, et cetera. So it's, it's a lot of coordination that goes on. And so the sooner, the better. I want to talk in just a moment when we come back to you about the role of a spouse or significant other in, in these relationships looking for testicular cancer. You're listening to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles. And we're delighted to have on our WellMed Radio hotline, Dr. Parth Shah. He's with USMD Fort Worth Clear Fork Clinic. Nervous about going to see the doctor? At WellMed, many patients can see a doctor from the comfort of home with My Health Light Now. Enjoy a secure private medical appointment using a computer, smartphone, or tablet. You can even get same-day appointments. Go to www.myhealthlightnow.com to register or download the My Health Light Now app. Interested in becoming a WellMed patient? Visit discoverwellmed.com. We're so pleased you're sticking with us right here on WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles, and we're learning a lot about testicular cancer. Our special guest, Dr. Parth Shah, he's with USMD Fort Worth Clear Fork Clinic, and this is Testicular Cancer Awareness Month. And Dr. Charles, we've been talking about how self-exam can play a major role in identifying whether someone's at risk for testicular cancer. Uh, how can a spouse help or a significant other? Well, um, first of all, if you have a, so I suppose the best way that a spouse could help, number one, would be bringing awareness and making sure that the spouse is doing the exams. If they should happen to also feel a lump or a mass that was not previously there, um, also making sure that even if it's painless, that they alert them that there is something abnormal or something new or different that needs to be checked out. Certainly during a a sexual encounter, uh, the significant other uh, may have an opportunity to be touching, feeling, what have you. Uh, And if they feel something, not unlike if they felt something on a woman's breast, they should say something. Exactly. Exactly. And so Dr. Shah, we were talking about uh, who's at risk. Uh, You were talking the 20 to 40 age group, uh, but you were mentioning to us off the air uh, that older people may also have a risk for a testicular-like cancer. Yeah, so I know the focus of our conversation has been looking at kind of this younger demographic today, but to our listeners out there, there's also testicular cancer that can happen in older men or testicular tumors. So this idea of you know self-examination, understanding your anatomy, and understanding what is normally there for you and how things feel is very important. So there are other cancers that can occur in the testicle at an, at the, you know, older age in their 50s, 60s, 70s as well. So it behooves us to, again, understand our anatomy. There's also other things that can happen within the testicle or the surrounding structures that can lead to men having discomfort. 
So I know we have talked, we've been harping about the fact that testicular cancer can't, you know, may not cause any symptoms, but there are certain things that are, you know, just as important uh, that to kind of screen for to pick up because they will lead you to have symptoms. And these are cysts within the structure called the epididymis, which I was kind of alluding to before. And the backside of the testicle. Exactly. The backside of the testicle. And there's also other types of kind of swellings that can happen where fluid collects within the, uh, within the scrotums, which is called a hydrocele, which is not dangerous or cancerous, but it certainly can impact men's quality of life as also their sexual experience like we're alluding to. So there's many things within the scrotum that can cause problems. Not all of them are going to be cancerous, but certainly if it doesn't look like it did a few years or a few months ago, you definitely want to see a doctor so we can address as is cancerous. And if it's not, if it's a quality of life situation, we can really address that as urologists. I mean, a lot of my practice is focused on balancing the um, the cancer risk with the quality of life outcomes. So, you know, again, folks should pay attention to their anatomy and rely on their partners to kind of help them guide the conversation. I've had many patients where their spouse is the one that really got them to the office. And I say spouse or also the boss. And uh, they were able to kind of get, uh, you know, pushed into showing up and it, it turned out they really needed to be seen. And so women have always been kind of the advocates for medical uh, care for their husbands and their spouses. And they continue to play that role in this particular situation, because again, um, you know, speaking up is key and making sure your partner follows up with the doctor. Because again, most men don't want to talk about these issues and there is a stigma and an embarrassment associated with them. So the best way to demystify it is to, is to talk about it and, uh, and understand. You must be a real trip at cocktail parties, Dr. Schaff. <laughs> That's okay. You asked me why I did urology. I think the best reason is the cocktail parties and the looks on other people's spouses that I get. That's <laughs> funny. What are the treatments then? You had mentioned uh, if you find a lump, uh, you don't want to uh, do a biopsy uh, for risk of spreading the cancer. Uh, does it have to be surgically removed or can you use uh, radiation or laser or some other approach? Yeah, excellent question. So currently for, you know, early stage tumors that we think are cancer within the testicle, it does require surgical removal often of the entire testicle. And the reason we don't do partial testicle removal or just a tumor removal is because there is a high chance of spreading um, to the adjacent organs. And we would end up coming back at a later time to, you know, do the rest of the job. And more importantly, the longer we wait, there is a chance that the cancer can spread to other um, organ structures, uh, such as your lymph nodes, um, within the abdomen, um, sometimes to the lung and bone as well. So the idea being early detection leads to early intervention with surgery, which oftentimes will cure the patients of the cancer where they don't need to undergo chemo uh, therapy or radiation therapy, which can, as you guys already know, can have detrimental side effects uh, to the other organs um, and be taxing overall um, to, to the body. Our testicles like kidneys, you got a spare. So if you remove one, you still got another one. Yeah. So I know in popular kind of culture, we've, we've all heard of athletes, uh, one being notable for folks from Texas, uh, you know, who, who won a lot of titles at bicycling. We won't talk about how we won them, but certainly there are, you know, folks like Lance Armstrong has been a very good advocate for, you know, testicular cancer awareness. But yeah, the, the answer, you know, to answer your question, uh, you definitely uh, only need one testicle to maintain its function. 
And the function of the testicle, like we all presume, is to make hormones, so testosterone, and then also to aid in fertility. So, you know, the testicle, you know, produces sperm, it helps mature the sperm, and then when the time is right, it helps with the fertility process. So, so the testicle is a sperm factory. Exactly. The testicle makes the sperm and the testicle makes your testosterone. And really, that's its only function in life. And, and you can remove one if there's cancer on one, it doesn't necessarily mean it's on the other. Exactly. So uh, generally, when we do these ultrasounds or pictures to take a look at the testicle in more detail, they'll look at both sides, obviously. But yes, uh, testicular cancer in its early stages only involves one testicle. So that testicle can be removed without, you know, potential loss of testicular function or, you know, potential sources of infertility. Now, if the other testicle doesn't feel healthy or feel it looks to be damaged on the ultrasound, we often talk to men about, you know, sperm banking if they want to have children in the future, just as a precautionary measure. So we don't want to make them infertile moving forward. But that's very select cases. But overall, if you have the other testicle being healthy, then there's not a decreased risk of, you know, losing your hormone function or fertility function. And if you with had surgery, if you had oh, testicular cancer, uh, sperm would not be carrying cancer cells. No, sperm wouldn't be uh, carrying cancer cells. So you certainly can't, uh, you know, uh, obviously um, spread it to your partner or anything like that through sexual activity. Um, but we've also found that in many men that have cancer, they have infertility. So we're still trying to understand why that is, uh, but that testicle doesn't want to behave well. So that testicle doesn't generate a lot of healthy sperm, but that doesn't mean there's that you can spread cancer that way. Interesting. Uh, and, and as you think about, uh, again, the reticence on the part of men to talk about these issues, talking about on the radio will encourage others uh, to come forward. Uh, in your office as a regular matter, uh, a patient comes in for X, do you talk about Y as well? Do you talk about doing a testicular self-exam? Yeah, so I routinely you know, make sure when patients come in to see me for seemingly something unrelated, I want to do a good physical exam. And oftentimes, again, men are very shy. They may decline this examination by their primary care doctors. Uh, but as a urologist, uh, you know, I can definitely justify to them why I need to do this. And I think that's where, um, you know, just having that conversation with the patient, not only testicular cancer, but talking about screening for prostate cancer and how are they, you know, why may, are they coming to see me if they have, you know, sexual function issues? Is it because of, you know, other things like weight gain? you know, unhealthy eating habits and like we all kind of picked up over the pandemic or are we not exercising enough? So yes, I think my job is as a urologist to be a little bit more holistic and take a bigger look at, at the patient and say, these are the things that you need to be focusing on uh, to get your overall health better. And this is what you need to be doing to kind of take care of your body from a men's health perspective. With uh, testicular cancer in particular, is there anything that we can do that patients can do to reduce their risk? Unfortunately, there's not much patients can do. So the biggest risk factor for testicular cancer development is, you know, genetics. So we know that Caucasians tend to have higher incidence of testicular cancer compared to other uh, racial subtypes. And the other part uh, that you can't control is your genetics, again, as in your family history. So we know folks that have family members that have testicular cancer tends to run in families. So those two things are out of your control. What you men should know that there are things that make you a higher likelihood of developing testicular cancer. 
And those would be things like if you had a history of an undescended testicle or a testicle that never fully developed and dropped down to the sac that needed an operation to kind of help it drop down into the sac, those men tend to have a little bit of a higher risk of developing testicular cancer. So that's, uh, th that's the type of patient that really needs to be looking out and making sure their exams haven't changed over time. Is give us, men, give us sorry, anatomy. Give us, I'm, I'm sorry for interrupting. We're short on time, but give sure. us anatomy 101. When you say the testicles haven't dropped, what happens in little boys? How does this work? So when we're still cooking in the oven, uh, our testicles are within the abdomen. And as we develop, those testicles then drop down through uh, the inguinal ring, essentially your groin area, and into the, the scrotum or the sac that holds your testicle. So that typically you know, happens before you're born. And in some babies, the testicles kind of get uh, stopped along the way and they can't make their way all the way down into the sac like they're supposed to. And that's called an undescended testicle. And we do a good job in, in pediatrics and in the hospital when the baby's born to kind of pick up these things. But those boys need to be kind of made sure that the testicle does drop down and into the sac because if it doesn't, it has about a six-fold higher chance of turning, you know, having testicular cancer. So again, this idea that if you have a normal anatomy, uh, you got to still do checks. But if you had surgery on your testicle as a baby to bring it down, then you really need to pay attention uh, to your anatomy that much more because you Perfect. do have a slightly higher chance. Got to stop you right there. I really appreciate you coming on, and uh, we look forward to talking with you again. These are fascinating subjects, and we don't deal with them enough. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles. Thank you, Dr. Shaw. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks. I was a little bit long-winded today, but- uh, No, it was great. Trying we to really appreciate get it, it sorted through. But yeah, thank you for your time. Everything you need to know about testicular cancer and more right here on WellMed Radio. Executive producers for WellMed Radio are Dan Calderon and Leah Madrano. Our producer is Isaac Wilker. And associate producers are Natalie Ibera and Maurice Hudson. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on WellMed Radio. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.